Today is Christmas Sunday. Uh, it's not going to happen again for 11 years that the church is going to be able to gather together on a Sunday morning for Christmas celebration. So this is an extra special day. Let's see, in 11 years, I'll be, well, we won't talk about that, but, <laughs> but uh, I hope I get to see you 11 years from now on that Christmas uh, Sunday morning. So this is a special day. I wanted to give you a special present for Christmas this year. Uh, so I decided I was only going to uh, preach about half the time that I usually do and say Merry Christmas. We'll see how that works out. All right. On Christmas Sunday uh, it is a time of great joy. It is a, a time when we reflect on the fact that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It is the time that we reflect on what we did last night, that God sent the Lamb of God who was slain in the mind and the heart of God before the foundation of the world, already making provision for sinful men and women to find redemption and forgiveness and reconciliation unto God. But I have also discovered that many of us develop our theologies, that which we believe about God, that which we believe about Christ, from many places other than in the Word of God. I have found that many people get their ideas of what God is like and how to approach God based on what the culture has to say about what they believe God is like. And many times in looking for that cultural reference, we get ideas from television and movies. And I've discovered that many people have developed the theology of Ricky Bobby and Will Farrell. Now, some of you are looking like me, like, Brother Tim, what in the world are you talking about? Well, uh, just for those of you that know the reference, you'll get it. And that is, many of us uh, tend to always think of Jesus as the babe in the manger. And every time Ricky Bobby prayed, he began his prayer by saying, Dear baby Jesus. And he felt really comfortable going and talking to baby Jesus because after all, what could be more approachable than a tiny little baby? And so he had no problem going to baby Jesus and talking to him because he saw baby Jesus as being there as a, some kind of cosmic genie that was there to grant his every wish. And many of us still, I think, in our hearts and minds, when we think of Jesus, we tend to think of Him as that babe in the manger who makes no demands, who has no expectations of us, who is there just as the precious gift of God to meet the needs that we have in our lives. But I want to remind you, the babe grew up. This morning, I want to take us beyond the manger to what the Lord Jesus Christ is like now. Have you ever thought about what does Jesus look like now? And what is He doing now? And whenever we pray, to whom are we praying? Who is listening? And as we live our lives, 
to whom are we accountable? Well, to catch a, a glimpse of what the Lord Jesus Christ is like at this very moment, I want us to turn to the book of the Revelation, chapter 1. And in Revelation chapter 1, John the Apostle is given the amazing experience of being caught up by the Holy Spirit into the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the heavenlies. And he shares with us that experience. In Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, John writes and he says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, John is saying, I'm sharing with you in all your troubles in life, and I want you to understand, even right now, John says, as I'm writing this to you, I'm writing from exile on Patmos. And I was placed here by Domitian in exile just for simply preaching and teaching the Word of God. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He was caught up by the Holy Spirit on Sunday morning. Sunday morning being the Lord's day because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ on Sunday. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, a clear clarion call saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I want to remind you, the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever He is introducing Himself in a fresh and anew to John, introduces Himself as the first. He was before all things. Please understand that Jesus' life did not begin in a manger in Bethlehem. He is and always has been the eternal God. He's existed since eternity past. Everything has its origin and beginning in Him. He is the first of everything that is. And He is also the first of your life. You are not an accident. You are not brought into being by mere chance. Even in eternity past, before He even spoke the worlds into being, the Lord Jesus Christ had you in His heart and you in His mind. And in His timing, He brought you into being. He brought you into being for the purpose of your life, bringing glory and honor to Him, being the reflection of all that He is. Everything in your life and everything about you began with Christ. He is the first and He is the last. And He is everything that is in between. He is the one who is determined in the sovereignty of His purpose and will to bring about everything that has happened in your life. You are not an accident and nothing that has happened in your life has happened by accident. It's all been under His sovereign control. Designing your life in such a way that He could get the greatest glory for Himself in and through you.
He's your beginning. And He's the one who's going to bring all things to a conclusion in His timing. He's the first and the last. And then He says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now He's going to tell us the golden lampstands represent seven actual churches that existed in that time who were representatives of all churches throughout all time. I say that to say this. What is Jesus Christ doing at this moment? Several things, but one of the primary things that He's doing is He is moving and working in His churches. The church belongs to Him. It's established upon Him. And that which He is doing at this moment is overseeing His church. Let's bring it home. At this moment, what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing is He's overseeing Wasmasaw Baptist Church. He's moving and He's working among us. This church has existed, Kent, for how long now? 238 years. 230, for 238 years, right here on this piece of ground, God has had a people. We're part of that history. We stand in the flow of all that God has been doing for 238 years in this place. I want to remind you, I don't care how long you've been in this church. You could have been here from the day you were born, or you could have just joined the church in the last couple of weeks. This church is, does not belong to you. And it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Christ. And it's not up to us to figure out what we want to do as a church and who we want to be as a church. For the church is His. He's the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Our only responsibility is to, as a church, be and do exactly what He said in His Word He wants us to be and to do. Nothing more, nothing less. So that all that is done in and through this church puts the Lord Jesus Christ on display. I think it's important we remember that. Because when I get on the internet and I start pulling up church services across the country, I see a lot of churches that are promoting their churches. I don't necessarily see a lot that's just promoting Jesus. Never let us lose sight of who God's called us to be. He said He's moving among the lampstands. And in the midst, He says, in the midst of the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. That is His messianic title. Jesus is the Messiah, the King of Israel. One day He will sit upon the throne of His father, David. Jesus will keep every promise He made in the covenant that He established with Abraham. Every part of the covenant that He established with David. He is the Messiah of Israel. And then notice how He looks. He's not wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's clothed with a garment down to His feet and girded about his chest with a golden band. 
That long robe is the robes of a king. He just said He's the Son of Man. He's the Messiah of Israel. He's the King of the Jews. But also, not only is it the robe of a king, notice it says it's a robe down to His feet and around His chest is a golden band. That is a reference to another long robe. It is the robe of the high priest. The high priest. He is a king who is also priest. He is a high priest. He is the one, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, who is our advocate before the Father. He's the one who pleads our case. He's the one who intercedes on our behalf. And He's able to do so because He's not only the one who is our advocate, He's not only the one who is our priest who offers the sacrifice for our sin, He is the sacrifice for our sin. I'm also thankful He is not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But He was an always tested like we are. And yet without sin. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. No matter what you're walking through in your life right now, no matter the hurt, the pain, the stresses, He understands. He understands because He came as one of us in human flesh. He walked among us. As I look around the room this morning, I know there are many of you that are sitting here in pain. There are those of you that are facing tremendous family issues and family problems. Some of you, even at this moment, are walking through a time of impending death for loved ones. And you know that this is your last Christmas together. And you're trying your best to make those final memories. There are those who have children who are hurting. There are those who have children who are wandering. And you have family members that are not where they need to be with the Lord. And your heart is filled with so many things. And you come looking for hope. And you come looking for peace. I want you to understand when you incline your heart toward Christ and you turn to Him in prayer and you take all of those burdens and you just lay them at His feet. He loves you and He understands. And because He so keenly understands, He knows exactly what it's going to take to meet the need that you have. To feel the hurt in your heart. And whether He changes the situation or not, He's there. He's with you. 
And number two, he might not change your situation, but I promise you, he will change you. He'll change you. He'll grow you. He'll knock off the rough edges. He'll root out sinfulness and those things that would hinder you from keeping you from becoming all that he would have you to be in your Christian walk. And then he will build into you everything that you need to bring him the greatest glory in your life. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. I'm trying to be as much like Christ as I can. That speaks to his purity. It speaks to his righteousness. And then notice, out of that righteousness, his eyes were like a flame of fire. Now, whenever he walked among us, his eyes were filled with compassion. His eyes were filled with love. He picked up children and he placed them on his lap and he blessed them. He healed blinded eyes. He strengthened lame limbs. He healed lepers. He raised the dead. But now it says his eyes are flames of fire. What does that mean, Brother Tim? Glad you asked. It's the fiery, discerning, omniscient, all-knowing gaze of God who sees everything in your life and not only sees that which we do, it's the discerning gaze that sees why we do what we do and why we don't do what we don't do. He understands us more than we understand ourselves. Jeremiah says, the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? We become so good at creating an image of ourselves that we like to believe is true that we have begun to believe sometimes our own lies about ourselves. We've created an image of ourselves that we want to be or that we know we should be. But He sees us as we are. He knows exactly who we are. But you know the good news? And He loves us fully and completely. Once we know Him as our Savior and Lord, there is nothing you can ever do that can cause Him to love you anymore. And there's nothing you can can ever do that can cause him to love you any less. He knows you and loves you. His feet were like fine brass. He's moving in judgment. As if refined in the furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Kenny goes on to explain the seven stars of the pastors of the churches. I like that. It is so good for me to know this morning as I stand here talking with you, trying to represent Him, He holds me in His hand. He holds me in His hand. I want you to know He's doing the same for you, but it's good to know the pastors. 
are there. That's one of the reasons, folks, you ought to pray for your pastor, love your pastor, respect them the way you do, because they're being guided and led by the Lord. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. You know what the sharp two-edged sword is? His word. His word. He's now moving in correction and judgment among his people, his own people first, the church. And the criteria that he uses for the judgment is his word. He takes his word and he says, how are you living up to it? How are you doing in the the things that I've commanded you to do? Are you loving as I have loved you? Are you forgiving as I've forgiven you? Well, that's a biggie. Please be here next week. i got a lot more I want to say on that one. But family gatherings can be a lot of fun, amen? Yeah. Yeah, they can be a lot of fun. They can be good. It's good to see everybody, right? Amen, yeah. Yeah, but boy, sometimes you have to walk on eggshells, don't you? And you got to watch what you say. And there's some people you're kind of wondering, wonder what they're going to say next. What are they going to do? A lot of you are going to be getting together with your families in just the next hour for your Christmas dinner. You want to take a lot of tension out of that room? Okay, seriously, you want to get along a whole lot better today than you probably would have otherwise? Let me give you the key. Forgive. Forgive. Some of us in our families and with our friends and our churches are holding on to so much stuff. There's so much water's gone under the bridge. So many things have been said. So many things have been done. So many things that you think should have been done that weren't. All those things over the years that have built up. We've been making a list and checking it twice. And we've built up these walls between us and the people that we should really love the most in the world. The people we should be closest to. I mean, those little group texts and families, some of them get a lot of venom in those things. Seriously. Just forgive. Release them from the debt that you believe they owe you. Brother Tim, you don't know what they've done. No, I don't. But let me ask you, how much have you done against the Lord God? And how many of those things has He forgiven you of? Every single one of them. Did you deserve to be forgiven? No. But see, that's what grace is. That family member, they might not deserve it, but neither did you. And we're responsible to give the same grace that we've been given. We forgive one another our trespasses because we have been forgiven. And I promise you this, that thing you're holding on to and you're so upset about, it's not hurting the other person a lick. They don't care. The only person that you're hurting and keeping in prison is you.
So in the theology of Disney, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Just let forgive. Forgive. Take the poison out of the stinger and let it go. When you tear down the wall and the barrier between you and that loved one, what you also don't understand, you're tearing down that barrier that you don't even know exists between you and God. You didn't even realize it was there. But once you forgive the other person, it will amaze you how much sweeter your relationship with Christ becomes. Well, let me give you one last passage. Okay? Because I want you to understand that's what Jesus looks like right now. But there is a day coming when we're going to behold him face to face. What's he going to look like then? Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him, that's Christ, is called Faithful and True. Faithful and True. I want you to understand, Christ is always faithful to Himself. He never changes. He will always be faithful to be that which He is. He's always faithful to His Word. Everything He's ever promised, He'll bring to pass. Everything He's ever said is going to happen. He is faithful and He is true. Why? Because He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He's true. You can depend upon Him. It's hard to find something true in our day and time. The one that's absolutely true is Jesus. Faithful and true, and in righteousness, He judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, that discerning gaze. And on His head were many crowns. And He had a name written that no one knew except Himself. I can't tell you the number of people whenever I preach on the book of Revelation comes to me at when I preach on this passage and say, after the service, say, Brother Tim, what's that name? What's the name? I don't know. <laughs> no one knows except Him Himself. It's just right there. A lot of people speculated. It's fruitless. And he was clothed, now this robe, with a robe dipped in blood. Talk about that. And his name is called the Word of God. That's John's title. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name is the Word of God. He is the source, the origin. He is the essence of all. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed Him on white horses. Who's the army in heaven? Us. And the angels, those who've been raptured, who's gone to be with Him. He's bringing back with Him. And out of His mouth goes that sharp two-edged sword, the Word. That was that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod and iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Listen, he's coming back one day. And when he's coming, he's not coming as the babe in the manger. He's coming to rule and to reign. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. 
King of kings and Lord of lords. To reign and to rule. I want you to remember that's who we worship today. That's who we celebrate. Yes, I'm thankful He was the babe in Bethlehem's manger. I am thankful He is the Lord God incarnate. Emmanuel, God with us. I'm thankful that He grew and lived a sinless life. I'm thankful for every miracle that He performed to demonstrate that He was in fact who He claimed to be, the very Son of God, God in flesh. I am so thankful He went to a cross. And in His righteousness and holiness, He took and bore all of our sinfulness. God the Father poured out His wrath and judgment on our sin in His own Son. I'm thankful. He died and paid my price for sin. Died in my place. I'm thankful He was buried. And I'm so thankful He was resurrected. Proof from the Father that He accepted the price that He paid on my behalf. I'm thankful that He ascended. He's now at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for me. But I'm thankful He's coming back. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive will remain to the coming of the Lord. will be caught up together. To meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. He's coming back. We're going to go be with Him. Then we're coming back with Him. And He is going to settle all accounts. He's going to vanquish every enemy of His. He's going to establish His kingdom. And we, get this, we will reign with Him. That's the rest of the Christmas story. I've studied Bible prophecy all my life. I've written a book about it. With everything I've ever studied, I am more convinced than ever before. His coming is very soon. I thought it was coming the other day, Kent. I really did. Rob and I were in the Valley of Megiddo, where the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place. Just a week ago, we were there. And we were standing and looking over the valley. And all of a sudden, there was a massive explosion. Massive explosion. You feel the shockwaves of it. About a minute after that explosion, jets, military jets, filled the sky above us, zipping across. Right over the valley. Not kidding. Right there. 
And I was getting ready to look up, and I looked over, and Robin says, Ready? <laughs> yeah, this time. Yeah. Then the tour guide had to let us know this is a training exercise that's going on. So that's, but, boy, but had a foretaste of what's coming. Let me ask you Are you ready? Are you ready? I know you've heard preacher after preacher say it's coming soon. It's coming soon. This could be the day. And one day when we say it, it will be. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? As the Holy Spirit of God helped you to understand the depth of your sinfulness against the Holy God, and that understanding driven you to a godly sorrow over sin. Not just that you're willing to say you're a sinner, you mourned and grieved over the fact you sinned against God. And that godly sorrow has led you to repentance, a turning away from sin, saying, Lord, I no longer, no longer want to continue living this way. I want to live the life you want me to live. And placed all of your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did whenever He died on Calvary's cross for you. Was buried, resurrected. Have you fully committed and surrendered to Him? Have you believed those truths so strongly you were willing to let go of your life and say, Lord, from this day forward, my life is Yours. I surrender all that I am to everything You are. You see, that's salvation. That's what it looks like to be born again. And then my brother and sister in Christ, are we walking with the right Lord Jesus Christ? Or one that we've created in our own mind? Are we living like He is righteous and He's holy and He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords? Are we living like one day we're going to give an account? No, we're not going to be judged for our sin, but as Christians, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will give an account for all those things we have done in our lives, whether they've honored Him and glorified Him or not. Are we living that way? Today, have we gone beyond the manger? and the cross to the coming King. Let's pray.